Get on up and get on down. It's time for another Wendell's World of Sports production. So let's get funky as this brother right here begins to rap. Before the start of another episode that will explode with strong opinions and entertainment, let me present another Wendell's World of Sports production that is heaven sent. Wendell's World in Sports, a sports talk podcast presented in audio and video form to perform to the scorn of the haters and entertainment creator like Pete Rock and CL Smooth as I groove to the flavor of the podcast being so fully chocolate. So if you have plans to beat me, please just go ahead and stop it. The opposition, I'll lambaste them, then debase them, disgrace them. More futile than someone trying to guard Jason Tatum, giving the competition hurts like Jalen. I'll be wailing and assailing any clown that tried to quote my show verbatim. If you try to test me, I'll be a global champion like the guilt Leo Messi. Laughing at the notion that you thought taking me down would be a breeze like Drew? Not having a clue that you've come into a gunfight with a butter knife and rolling the dice? Just cost you your broadcasting life. Listen to my podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, or iHeart as I listen and tear apart the fabric of the conventional, nonsensical, ripping to shreds the threads of stale, plain, tame, lame, flatline podcasts that are being left way behind. So take this loss to your podcasting boss because going up against me, the call of my fatal verbal blow would be best described by the legend, good old JR, Jibros. Wendell's World of Sports, download, subscribe, rate, review, most importantly, enjoy the most unique, entertaining, thought-provoking sports talk podcast that you could ever listen to. Sports fans of all ages, faces, and places from every stadium, arena, and auditorium all over the world. May I have your attention, please? What time's coming when we're going to have to handy up? Handy up and kick in like men. Like men! It is now time to bring to your listening ears, hearts, and minds a sports podcast named Wendell's World in Sports with the one and only Wendell Wallace. Tell him how you feel. A podcast that gives you strong, passionate, unapologetic, uncompromised thoughts and opinions about the everyday happenings in the NFL. And college football to the NBA in my Georgetown Hoyas. Giannis fires one down and an exclamation point for Milwaukee. To any other sporting news of the day. And now, introducing the man whose love of sports was born and bred on the greatest Muhammad Ali, Lynn Baez, Magic Johnson, Bernard King, and Eric Dickerson, Wendell Wallace. Bonjour, bonsoir, que passe, shalom, wassalamu alaikum, konnichiwa, good morning, good abend, welcome to Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace, so glad that you could be with us. Doggone, so glad that you could be with us. A lot of things to get down on and discuss today in the world of sports. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast anywhere where you listen to this podcast on your favorite platform, iHeart, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon. Do me a favor, if you are enjoying what you are listening to, go ahead and download, subscribe, rate, review, always enjoy the most unique, entertaining, thought-provoking sports talk podcast that you can listen to, which is run on 100% 
soul power if you could do that and also 2023 is a coming it's been a long time i shouldn't have left you without a strong video podcast to step to think of how many weak podcasts that you watched and slept through well time's up and i'm sorry i kept you wendell's world of sports the video podcast where i'm going to be speaking about the nba i'm going to be speaking about my georgetown hoyas i'm going to be speaking about the nfl also on that platform go over there if you like what you are listening to ladies between the ages of 42 and 49 if you uh if you like what you see, single of course, then go ahead and subscribe, give me a comment, like the video, do all those good things. In 2023, that's coming right around the corner. All right, man, what are we going to be discussing today to start off? As always, right? As always, you know, I got to be talking about the NFL, right? The World Cup is now over, so we don't have to be speaking about football. Nothing's happening in Major League Baseball of importance. There's really nothing else going on as far as what should be the number one topic to be leading this podcast. So, you know, it's got to be the NFL because right now we can see it, can't we? Before I get into it, I, I want to ask you this, though. Because I know on my podcast, I always like to take the NFL season as almost like a journey. You know what I'm saying? Almost like a series. Almost like a television series. Almost like a, a good movie or something like that. You know, with plots and twists and turns and drama and all this stuff. You know, like your favorite movie. I've always said sports is the best reality television on, on earth. Because why? It's a real reality. When you're speaking about wins, when you're speaking about losses, when you're speaking about personalities, when you're thinking about the games, when you're thinking about all of those things, the competition, it's the greatest reality show on television. So it's like the NFL season. Now it's we've got two weeks left. We're starting to figure out who's going to be in the playoffs, who's not going to be in the playoffs, who's faltering, who's rising, doing all those type of things. Let me ask you a question, man. So far throughout this NFL season, have you enjoyed it? Have you been consistently watching have you been consistently engaged? What's been your grade so far? And I know the season is not over yet, but when we spoke about things and when I talked about things early on in the season, when I spoke about things which were going to be happening in the NFL, and I spoke about every single year, right? Didn't I mention that? Every single flipping year in the NFL is always a situation where you're going to have a team that's expected to compete for a championship that's going to disappoint and a team that has no business at the beginning of the season in your mind to be competing or winning four or five games, which are going to be right there. We always have that. And this season is no different. When you take a look at what the Jacksonville Jaguars are doing, when you take a look at the emergence of the Detroit Lions, even though they stumbled on uh, Saturday, when you take a look at the New York Jets, even though they're stumbling, no one thought that they would be in playoff contention right now. Mainly the people who didn't think that they would be in playoff contention right now are Zach Wilson and his family. In terms of we thought that we could live through his mistakes. We thought that we could live through his shortcomings. We thought that we could we could live through his growing as becoming an NFL quarterback, a starting NFL quarterback, a franchise NFL quarterback. But because the Jets overshot what they were supposed to be doing and the expectations, instead of, you know, finishing up the season going four and thirteen or three and three and fourteen or five and twelve or something like that, all of a sudden the Jets found themselves in the playoff hunt, which then turn the spotlight even more on Zach Wilson. All of a sudden now, with Zach Wilson being the starting quarterback for the New York Jets and learning what it takes to be a franchise quarterback, learning what it takes to uh, to uh, live up to the number two 
uh, pick that he was selected in the NFL draft. Uh, now, all of a sudden, some of those mistakes that he made, if the Jets were, say, 3-11 and 11 or 2-9 and nine or were faltering and failing, and you would take a look and say, well, is he improving just a little bit? Is he getting better? Is he progressing some of the mistakes that he's making that we harp on, that we show, that we that we shine a spotlight on, that now we're making, we're making these conclusions in terms of, is Zach Wilson a starting quarterback or not? Is Zach Wilson worthy of the number two picks should the New York Jets already give up on the Zach Wilson experiment all of that has been hastened because of what the Jets are doing as far as at the time late in the season being in position to be in the playoff spot now all of a sudden like I mentioned before if the Jets were lousy it would be well you know give Zach Wilson another chance give him another year to grow give him another year to do this now it's a situation where hey look we got a defense that's playoff worthy we've got some uh, things that we can work on now we don't know and we could go ahead and go with the Zach Wilson experiment because we have a window to win games and be a competitive football team in terms of making the playoffs in the future years right now so if it means going for Dan White and maybe getting ourselves a, a, a veteran quarterback or whatever, that's what we're, we're going to have to do. But now it seems like the Zach Wilson experiment is going to be over and we're giving up on Zach Wilson or the Jets are giving up on Zach Wilson. If the Jets give up on Zach Wilson this early, it's all predicated on the fact that the Jets are now having higher expectations to say, hey, our path to becoming legitimate in terms of uh, playoff contenders and, and moving forward with that has been expedited greatly. So we don't have time for Zach Wilson to do some things. So whether Zach Wilson comes back as a backup quarterback or put him on the shelf, whatever, um, it's a situation where, hey, man, in the NFL, at the start of the NFL season, nobody thought this was going to be um, a situation with the New York Jets where they would be in this scenario. Wendell's World of Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. So yeah, man, so it's like the NFL season, the twists and the turns, I remember, and we'll get to this as the, the podcast goes along. I was right there. I was sitting there when the Packers, Green Bay Packers were four and eight. I was openly sitting there thinking about Jordan Love should be the starting quarterback moving on out. And, and yeah, I understand at the time, I was sitting there going, yeah, I, I understand when Aaron Rodgers and those who want him to start say, yeah, well, as long as the Packers are still, you know, officially not eliminated from the playoff, you got to play Aaron Rodgers. And I was sitting there going, come on, man, give me a break. They're four and eight. They're not going anywhere. Their defense can't stop anybody. Their, 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 their wide receivers are below average. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers looks miserable. He doesn't look right. He's fallen off the cliff at 40. He's hit the wall. It's time to see what you got now in Jordan Love and just kind of flush this season down the toilet for the Packers and think about what you're going to be doing next season. There was, there were thoughts in my mind about seriously what the Packers are going to do. If the, if the situation continued with the Packers and they finished five and 12 or six or 11, and Rodgers continued to play like he was playing, I mean, that was a legit conversation to have at that time. About a month ago, going into December, halfway through November, that, hey, man, do the Packers really want Aaron Rodgers back? Does Aaron Rodgers really want to come back and play for the Packers if this is going to be the team that uh, is going to be uh, presented to him for the next couple of years? Should he look for another team? Should he do what uh, Tom Brady is being speculated to do if he doesn't retire 
after uh, this season to maybe go to Las Vegas or maybe go somewhere else and try to continue his career because the narrative is, in some circles, is that really Tom Brady is not as bad as he's looked. It's just that the team he has around him hasn't really performed. They've underachieved. They don't have the talent around him. So Tom is going to look for another team to play for with a lot more talent around him, similar to what he did when he left New England for Tampa Bay, to then look for another team that he can fit in to uh, be a quarterback that can lead a team or be a quarterback that can be part of a team to uh, be competitive and win a Super Bowl. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, at the beginning of the season, they were one of the teams that were ranked in the top five, that were ranked in the top six and seven of of, uh, power rankings to be competing for a championship. And now, yeah, they'll make the playoffs, possibly, probably, maybe, after an uninspired, after a boring after a sleep dues infest game against the Arizona Cardinals where they won in overtime with uh, with McSorley being the quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals at third string. Yippee-yay! Hip-hip-hooray! And T.J. Watt or J.J. Watt causing havoc. The man had such a great game, he's like, fuck it, at the end of the season, I'm going to uh, retire. Can't get any better than what I did against uh, these Buccaneers. The offensive line for Tampa is terrible. They can't run the football. The wide receivers has underperformed. Chris Godwin coming back from injury has not been the same. Julio Jones has been in and out of the lineup. They miss Rob Gronkowski or somebody who can compete at the tight end spot. Tom Brady is playing like he's 45 years old. Tom Brady is playing like an average quarterback. I've always said this. I've always been intrigued. I've always been curious. When you take a look at the greatest of the greats, when you take a look at the GOATs, when you take a look at the Hall of Famers, when you take a look at the greatest of all times, when you take a look at the legendary performers in their prime doing their thing, you always wonder to yourself, if he continues to play throughout the years, what's it going to look like when he's no longer this guy? Is he going to play long enough to where he's not going to resemble anything like this guy? And it's so doggone interesting to see now Tom Brady for the first year in his 20-something year career look average. Tom Brady doesn't look like Tom Brady right now. If you found somebody from another planet or another country or another environment who knows nothing about the game of football, and you told them to watch a Tampa Bay Buccaneer game this season, and you pointed to Tom Brady and you said, that's one of the greatest football players who's ever lived, that's one of the greatest athletes who's ever lived, that's one of the greatest, that's one of the most accomplished athletes who's ever lived, that's one of the uh, greatest, if not the greatest quarterback who ever lived, and you watched him play this season, and you knew nothing about football, you knew nothing about the history of football, and you never saw Tom Brady play before, you would say, huh, really? That guy, huh? Interesting, because he sure don't look it. Now, he doesn't look as bad as Peyton Manning. He doesn't look as bad as some of the other legends who, I don't know if you want to use the term hung around too long. I, I never like to put that moniker on anybody. Number one, it's not my decision in terms of when someone retires, no matter how great of a football player or baseball player or a boxer or tennis player or basketball player. If a player who's going down as one of the greatest of all time, want to play until his arms and his legs fall off, then so be it. If he wants to end his career um, as one of the greatest, you know, when an when athlete who has been one of the greatest of his profession is going to end his career on his fifth team in five years, coming off the bench and not doing anything, being inconsequential, as long as he's collecting that check, 
And as long as he's happy, it's not my position. It's not my right. I don't have the nerve. I don't have the gall. I don't have the gumption. I don't have anything to be telling this guy how to run his life or tell this legend or tell this greatest of all time or tell this, um, um, you know, all-time great when he should give it up or you're embarrassing yourself because you so you need to give it up hey man if you want to play that's a decision if Tom Brady wants to play till he's 60 let him play till he's 60 if someone's going to give him the opportunity to sit on the bench if Tom Brady wants to be the third string quarterback if Tom Brady at the age of 62 still playing wants to be a practice squad quarterback then so be it let him be it they ain't going to mess up his legacy. Michael Jordan playing for the Wizards for two years didn't mess up his legacy. Johnny Unitas playing for the San Diego Chargers didn't mess up his legacy. Joe Namath playing for the New York, uh, for the Los Angeles Rams didn't mess up his legacy. Patrick Ewing playing for the Orlando Magic didn't mess up his legacy. Shaquille O'Neal playing for the Cleveland Cavaliers didn't mess up his legacy. Um, Kobe Bryant, the last couple of years he was with the Lakers, that didn't mess up his legacy. So, so it's a big deal. Emma Smith playing for the Arizona Cardinals. That didn't mess up his legacy. So, hey, man, who cares? <laughs> you know, if they want to play, get it all out of the system, then so be it. Sugar Ray Robinson getting knocked out by some nobody at the end of his career. That didn't hurt his legacy. Joe Lewis getting knocked out by Rocky Marciano, getting knocked out through the ropes at Madison Square Garden in round eight of 1951 or so, whatever. That didn't mess up his legacy. Muhammad Ali losing to Trevor Burbick in, in the Bahamas. That didn't mess up his legacy. These guys want to do it, get it out of their system. You can't come back to it, so go ahead and do it. So with Brady looking average, Brady looking bad, hey, man, it's it's interesting. It's something that we haven't seen before. Just like when we saw Jordan come back with the Wizards, I mean, he wasn't horrible. He wasn't embarrassing himself, but you could tell that he was a shell of what he was when he was doing his thing. When, you know, he was, you know, when, when people wanted to be like Mike and he was selling gajillion dollars on with, uh, with Nike and his Air Jordans and all that kind of stuff. I mean, he wasn't the same player, of course. Emma Smith with the Arizona Cardinals, he wasn't the same player. Peyton Manning wasn't the same player. Tim Duncan wasn't the same player. So, hey, man. You know, it's just interesting to me to see for the first time Tom Brady average, for the first time Tom Brady failing, for the first time Tom Brady not having the ability to take the to take the um, situation that he's in that is poor and uh, turn it around. But he's been consistent. He hasn't thrown anybody under the bus. Um, you know, he's just every single week. It's kind of like the same thing. So it's it's just interesting in this phase of his career, the final phase of Tom Brady's career to see him perform and to see him behave uh, in the in the midst of adversity which him and his team is in. They'll make the playoffs. Now, I know watching the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is like they're, they're, they don't look like a team that's interested in going to the playoffs. They don't look like a team that's interested in playing for each other. They don't look like a team that's interested in playing for their coach. They just don't look like a team that's really likes being around each other. And I think if Tampa Bay had their, if you gave them truth serum to a lot of those guys, I bet you a lot of them would be like, hey, man, whether we make the playoffs or not, I really don't care. I just can't wait for the season to be over because I'm done. I'm finished. I'm, um, I'm done with this nonsense. So interesting moving forward with that. Wendell's World in Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you can be with us. So like I mentioned before, man, the season is such a roller coaster ride in the NFL. So many twists and turns and plots. And what makes the NFL so awesome? What makes the NFL so great? 
It's the fact that, you know what, you can sit there and you can be fully invested in every single week. And yes, I know at the beginning of the season, I always say, I always teach, I always preach, I always tell you, man, I say, look, first four or five, six weeks of the NFL season, as a fan, as long as you're not playing a fantasy league or as long as you don't have, are not making bets, as long as you don't have future over-unders or whatever gambling, whatever you're doing, if you're just a fan watching the NFL, even if you're a fan of the team, of, of a team, first four or five or six weeks, regardless of what they do, have fun, enjoy, because guess what? There's going to be a decent chance that whether your team starts off lousy or whether your team starts off fantastic, that something around the bend completely different might change the trajectory of whether you're going on up or whether if you're going on down. And that's exactly what happened. How many people thought after week seven when the Lions were one and six that they would be in the position that they're in right now. How many people thought that the Jacksonville Jaguars at the beginning of October or midway through October, the beginning of November, where they would be where they are right now? Crazy, right? How many people thought that the Tennessee Titans about five games ago would be where they are right now? How many people thought the Miami Dolphins would fall off the cliff the way they are, the way they're playing right now, and yet it's still, still be in the playoff hunt, right? How many people thought that? How many people believe that? How many people who were fans of the Carolina Panthers when they fired Matt Rule, then traded away Tristan McCaffrey, which is you're trading away the best player on your team, basically, which means that we're going to try to get into the Bryce Young, Jalen Carter sweepstakes. How many people thought that with an interim coach who in his one coaching stint with the Arizona Cardinals went 3-13 and a few years ago, would have an opportunity to win the division, albeit with a losing record. But still, nobody was sitting up there when they got rid of Baker Mayfield. Nobody was sitting up there when they got rid of Matt Rule. Nobody was sitting up there when they got rid of Kristen McCaffrey saying they made these moves so they could uh, compete for a playoff spot. And now, like the Jaguars, if you had a choice, like say, for instance, in the uh, AFC South, if teams like the Buffalo Bills or the Kansas City used to be champions or maybe um, the Cincinnati Bengals, everybody talks about Cincinnati's the team, Cincinnati's the team, Cincinnati's the red-hot team, and Cincinnati have been playing really good football. Cincinnati is one of the hottest teams in the NFL, but if you ask one of the quote-unquote favorites in the AFC, who was the one team you don't want to see in the playoffs or who would you rather see in the playoffs, the Tennessee Titans... Or the Jacksonville Jaguars, especially now since Ryan Tannehill is going to be out for the rest of the season for um, Tennessee in all likelihood, and they're going to be starting Malik. What you talking about, Willis? I'm quite sure those guys to be like, man, give us don't 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 get don't let us see Jacksonville. Not the way that defense is playing. Not the way Trevor Lawrence is playing. I don't want to see that team. You ask people in the NFC. You ask the San Francisco 49ers. You ask the Philadelphia Eagles. You ask the Dallas Cowboys. You ask the Minnesota Vikings, who are the, if you had a choice to play the Carolina Panthers or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Tom Brady, who would you choose? Man, everybody be talking about, give me Tampa Bay. I don't want to see Carolina with that running game. I don't want to see Carolina with that defense. Yes, the quarterback for Carolina is Sam Flippin' Donald. 15 years ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 2 years ago, if you had a situation where who would you rather face in the playoffs, Tom Brady or Sam Darnold, you would have to be a complete and utter moron. 
to say any team that Sam Darnold was playing for. I don't give a flip if you dug up and put into the Wayback Time Machine the uh, the 1972 Miami Dolphins, any of the great Raider teams, the Steelers of the 70s, Bill Walsh and Joe Montana of the 80s, Bill Parcells and Lawrence Payton, Lawrence Payton, wow, Lawrence Taylor of the New York Giants, Joe Gibbs of the uh, Washington then Redskins, I'm sorry. You put those guys back in the time machine, bring them up to 2022, put that team on the field of how they would look for this generation, and then put Sam Darnold at the quarterback, they'd be laughing. They'd be like, okay, we're good. Woo! You mean Bradshaw's not going to be there? You mean Joe Montana's not going to be there? You mean Doug Williams is not going to be there? You mean Phil Simms is not going to be there? You mean uh, you, you, you mean Bart Starr's not going to be there? We're going to have to go against Sam Darnold? Woo! We're good. We have a chance. Thank goodness. Bring on the purple people eaters. Bring on the steel uh, curtain. Bring on the no-name defense. Bring on any of those guys because we're good. Sam Darnold is the quarterback. Woo! Who would have thought? Isn't the NFL great reality television? This is not made up, man. This is not some type of script. This is not something that's made in Hollywood. No! Ain't the NFL great? Ain't sports fantastic? Wendell's World of Sports, I'm your host. Wendell Wallace, so glad that you could be with us. So let's go ahead and take a look at the playoff picture, shall we? Let's start with the uh, let's start with the NFC. Division leaders, the number one seed, even after losing to the Cowboys, the Philadelphia Eagles at 12 and 2, excuse me, 13 and 2. Minnesota Vikings, the number two seed, leaders, division winners of the NFC North. They're the number two seed with a 12 and 3 record. NFC West champions, or should we say champions, the San Francisco 49ers coming in at 11-4, still with an outside shot to not only surpass the Vikings, but also the Eagles, time will tell. And then going into the fourth seed, or the fourth division leader of the NFC South, at 7-8, and eight, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So the wild card, the number five seed is the Dallas Cowboys, 11-4 and four in the NFC East. The New York Giants, heartbreaking loss to the Vikings on Saturday. They are 8-6-1 in the NFC East. And of course, my Washington Commanders, after getting blown out by the San Francisco 49ers, possible quarterback change coming with uh, maybe Carson Wentz being uh, put back into the starting lineup, losing to San Francisco, but yet and still, they still hold on to their last uh, playoff spot with a 7-7-1 record representing the NFC East. Big opportunities missed by the Seattle Seahawks losing to Kansas City. They're 7-8 and eight, and on the outside looking in along with the Detroit Lions. Big loss for them coming in at 7-8. and eight. Then you have the Green Bay Packers still having a chance to win a playoff spot. So you're telling me there is a chance, Aaron Rodgers. Carolina still with the possibility of winning the um, NFC South. They are 7-8 and eight, and then the New Orleans Saints at 6-9. and nine. And then the teams that have been eliminated in the NFC, we take a look at the Los Angeles Rams. Hey, man, can we stop with the Baker Mayfield being the starting quarterback, Jazz? Can, can we stop with that, please? Can we stop? Okay. Starting quarterback for the Los Angeles Rams, Baker Mayfield. Really? That's going to be, that's, that's, okay. But the Rams have been eliminated. They're 5-10. and 10. They're the 13th seed. The Atlanta Falcons, 5-10 and 10 in the NFC South. 14th seed, the 15th seed, Arizona Cardinals, 4-11, NFC West, with probably now, since Nathaniel Hackett has been fired, Matt Rule fired earlier in the season, I guess the coach now that's on the hottest hot seat, I guess you would say would be Cliff Kingsbury now. 
And then coming in last, the Chicago Bears, the number 16 seed in the NFC. They have a 3-12 and record representing the NFC North. So that's the NFC. The AFC Conference, you take a look at the division winners, the Buffalo Bills, 12-3. and They have clinched the AFC East. The AFC West Champions, the Kansas City football team, they're the number two seed also at 12-3. and Buffalo, though, beating Kansas City earlier in the season, holds the number one spot in that tiebreaker. The Cincinnati Bengals, the hottest team in football, next to the San Francisco 49ers. Now the 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 the, jour, the uh, team that uh, the the sexy team to pick in terms of representing the AFC in the Super Bowl once again. They are eleven and four in the AFC North. Have a game coming up against the Buffalo Bills. They are the number three seed and number four seed, leading the division in the AFC South. The Jacksonville Jaguars. Who? What a thunk. So taking a look now at the wild card spots, the number five seed, Baltimore Ravens, 10 and five, still waiting to get Lamar Jackson back. Coach uh, Harbaugh was numb, was mum when asked questions about the availability, possible availability of Jackson on Saturday. The Los Angeles Chargers are now uh, clinching the uh, playoff spot at nine and six. Impressive victory, I guess, grinded out victory over the Indianapolis Colts. And then the last wild card spot goes to the Miami Dolphins, 8-7. and seven, The faltering, the failing, the flailing Miami Dolphins at 8-7. and seven. Dubious um, situation that they're in right now due to the fact that uh, Tua Tungavailoa, their quarterback, has been in concussion protocol once again. And we will see. We will see, we will see, we will see, we will see. Take it from a Richard Pryor skit, ladies and gentlemen. Go ahead, Wikipedia, and learn something. But um, it'll be interesting to see moving forward now. The NFL, they talk about, oh, how much we love the players and safeties first and all these type of things and the uh, coaching staff and the players. Oh, yes, we, oh, too, oh, you know, well, that's our main concern, this, that, and the other. If it's really that jazz... If they're really speaking all that jazz, and look, I'm not a person who can check for concussions. I don't know about concussions. I'm not an expert on concussions. When it comes to concussions, I'm extremely ignorant on this topic. I'm not a neuro... I can't even pronounce it. I'm not a head doctor or anything like that. So, hey, look, man. You know, I'm I'm not going to sit there and say that he shouldn't play when I don't know if he's having concussion syndromes and then to uh, make the distinction or go ahead and make the argument or imply that somehow, some way, if he is cleared, that means no one cares about him. He's just a piece of meat that the uh, that's more important for the Dolphins winning a football game than it is for him to uh, get healthy. I don't know. I don't know if it's right. I don't know if I have the right to make those type of uh thoughts and and feelings and opinions when I don't know. I don't know anything about concussions. So is Tua concussed? I don't know what the doctors, I don't know the doctors who are looking at him. I don't know Mike McDaniel. I don't know any of these guys enough for me to say, oh yeah, they're just doing it because they don't give a shit about him as a human being. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It looks fishy from the outside looking in. A guy who has had concussions before this season, and we took a look at some of the violent concussions, or the one in particular that he had on the uh, Thursday night um, that led to some rule changes within the concussion protocol system. But uh, for me, where I'm at, and for me with the knowledge that I have of Mike McDonald and the team doctor for the Miami Dolphins, for me to sit up there and think that there's something nefarious or untoward or uh, evil going on, it's 
that's kind of wrong for me to say that, but you know, I don't know. I don't know. But the Dolphins are free falling. We will see what happens to them moving forward if they can sustain and keep that last playoff spot. Wendell's World in Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be look be with us outside looking in. New England Patriots seven and eight. New York Jets seven and eight. Tennessee Titans seven and eight. Pittsburgh Steelers seven. Did I just hear that correctly? Did I just see that? The Pittsburgh Steelers actually have a chance, actually have a shot, actually are not eliminated yet from the playoffs. And we have these fools. We have these clowns. We have these dopes. We have these idiots talking about Mike Tomlin can't coach. Excuse me? Okay, he ain't Vince Lombardi. He ain't Chuck Noll. He ain't uh, Bill Belichick. He ain't George Hallis. He ain't Bill Walsh. But damn, he can't coach. (laughs) Take a look at what he's been doing this year. Flipping Mitchell Trubisky has been his quarterback. He's been starting a rookie quarterback for a a good portion of the uh, season. And he's 7-8 with a banged up offensive line and injuries to his defense. And they're still hanging around at 7-8. And you still want to make the argument? You still want to make the notion? You still want to bump your gums about Mike Tomlin can't coach? Man, what planet are you from? Man, what are, what's your definition of, quote-unquote, someone who can't coach? What, he's not Vince Lombardi? What, he's not Bill Belichick? What, he's not Don Shula, so that means he stinks? Mike Tomlin can coach it, my man. Mike Tomlin can coach. So the Steelers still haven't been eliminated from the playoffs yet. They lost Vegas Raiders 6-9. and nine. The number 12 seed and those who have been eliminated, the Cleveland Browns, 6-9 from the AFC North. The Indianapolis Colts, 4-10-1 with the AFC South. The Denver Broncos, again, just fired their coach, Nathaniel Hackett, 4-11. I guess you could say that they have been by far the most disappointing team in the NFL this season and coming in dead last. But, uh, you know, it was a really good day for the Houston Texans because Black Santa Claus, Lovey Smith, the coach of the team, the victory, and they still didn't lose the number one spot in the draft. So uh, 2-12-1. and one. So there you go. So if you take a look at the draft order of the teams that have been eliminated, let, let, let me give some hope. Let me give some cheer. Let me give some holiday cheer. Let me give you a reason why to go out and celebrate on New Year's Eve responsibly. If you're a fan of the Houston Texans or the Arizona Cardinals or the Indianapolis Colts or the Detroit Lions or even the Seattle Seahawks. Take a look at the draft order now. If the season ended today, the number one pick would be the Houston Texans. The number two pick would be the Chicago Bears. The number three pick would be the Arizona Cardinals. And the number four pick would be who? The Seattle Seahawks. Well, how is the Seattle Seahawks the number four? Oh, that's right. They have Denver's number one pick when they made the trade for Russell Wilson. The gift that keeps on giving. The number five pick in the draft of, as of right now, the Indianapolis Colts. Number six is the Atlanta Falcons. Number seven, the Detroit Lions. Thanks to the Los Angeles Rams and that trade that they made to uh, acquire Matthew Stafford. The number eight uh, pick in the draft belonged to the Carolina Panthers. So if you're a Carolina fan, would you rather see them lose the AFC, or excuse me, the NFC South, and then, you know, get the... um, top 10 pick in the draft or would you rather see them win the division go to the playoffs of course if you lose in the first round it's like you know big flipping deal but um would you rather see that type of progression from the team 
knowing that this team is still in limbo when it comes to who their quarterback going to be, who their next coach going to be. Um, would you rather just have them lose to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, get a higher draft pick, and then move on from there? Maybe because of that higher draft pick, maybe if they do draft a C.J. Stroud, maybe if they do draft a quarterback like Will Levis, that maybe it might entice the offensive coordinator from the Philadelphia Eagles. It might entice the offensive coordinator from the Detroit Lions. It might entice one of these young wonderkin offensive folks. Maybe it might entice possibly a Dan Quinn or a DeMarco Ryan or a Kellen Moore to be more interested in that job. I mean, I, I, you have a really good coach, Steve Wilkes, right now. But if you were going to be going in a different direction, if you're the Carolina Panthers, would you rather just lose the opportunity to play in the playoffs and then get and secure that top 10 pick? Or would you rather think for the betterment of the franchise to uh, get into the playoff and experience that type of atmosphere? So interesting. Las Vegas Raiders would be number nine. The Philadelphia Eagles, because of a trade with New Orleans, they would have the number 10 pick. And then because of the Deshaun Watson trade with Cleveland, the Houston Texans again would have Cleveland's pick. So they would be drafting number 11. So, Taking a look at some of the NFL top prospects. You got Bryce Young, the quarterback out of Alabama. As a prospect, oh man, I don't know. I mean, I like Bryce Young as a college quarterback, but I take a look at his size and I take a look at his stature and I take a look at his overall physical abilities and I just say, man, a guy who's closer to being a pocket quarterback than he is being a, a quarterback who's elusive. He's not very elusive. He doesn't have the size or the bulk or the dearth of a Jalen Hurts. Of course, he's not the athletic freak that someone of a Josh Allen or a Lamar Jackson is. I mean, he seems to be a pretty good quarterback with some deficiencies in terms of his athleticism that might prove, I don't know, that might prove to be a problem once he reaches the uh, NFL. He, he looks a little bit more on the Tua Tonga Vailoa side in terms of is his overall stature in terms of size and strength and lack of offensive elusiveness going to be his downfall in terms of uh, injuries because he did have injuries this past season for Alabama. But he's supposed to be one of the number one prospects in the NFL draft. And the number one prospect at the quarterback position, Jalen Carter, the defensive lineman for Georgia, Will Anderson, the red edge rusher for Alabama, Miles Murphy, the defensive lineman for Clemson, Will Levis, who every time I saw Will Levis play for Kentucky this year, I was like, this guy's supposed to be one of the top prospects in this NFL draft. Must mean that the NFL draft is a little bit weak. He doesn't look like a Joe Burrow. Doesn't look like a Justin Herbert. Doesn't look like a Lamar Jackson. Doesn't look like that type of quarterback. Doesn't look like a Trevor Lawrence. Doesn't look like a Justin Fields to me. So interesting if someone's going to draft that quarterback, even if we're talking about Bryce Young too. Even if we're talking about some of these other quarterbacks, like a C.J. Stroud and such. I mean, there's question marks. There's huge question marks about them moving forward. But Will Levis... Supposed to be a top five uh, prospect. Uh, Tyree Wilson, ed, edge rusher for Texas Tech. Kylie Ringo, cornerback for Georgia. C.J. Stroud, Ohio State quarterback. They're all the supposed to be top eight, top nine, top ten picks. I mean, if you're Carolina, would you select a C.J. Stroud at the uh, number eight pick? If you had the opportunity, would you draft a Will Levis? Would you rather make the playoffs and not be able to draft the quarterback or miss the playoffs and be able to draft the Will Levis or a C.J. Stroud. Interesting, interesting, very, very interesting. Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. So 
taking a look at some of the um, playoff situations for each conference. So I got rid of those. See, I'm looking after you guys. I'm looking after the Houston Texans fans, man. I'm looking after the um. I'm looking after the the, the Chicago Bears fan, bro. I'm look taking a look. I'm 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 feeling you, man. I got you, Carolina Panthers fans, Indianapolis Colts fans. I got you, Seattle Seahawks fans. I got you. You know, just because y'all ain't any good this year, well, Seattle is, you know, having that pick from Denver. But just because the Chicago Bears and just because the Houston Texans and just because the Arizona Cardinals and just because the Atlanta Falcons aren't any good, that doesn't mean what we should ignore them. That doesn't mean that we need to be rude to our guest, to our host. Come on, man. We talk about love. We talk about peace. We talk about unity. We talk about togetherness. We can do this even on my podcast. I don't have to ignore the wonderful, beautiful, fantastic fans of the Houston Texans or the Arizona Cardinals or the Atlanta Falcons or the Las Vegas Raiders or the Indianapolis Colts. Come on now. I got love for y'all too. Y'all are human beings too. Y'all are football fans too. Y'all have a professional team in your state, in your city, in your region, in your neighborhood, in your community. Come on now. I got love for you. I got love for everybody. So, you know, go ahead. Just speaking out on those teams that ain't making the playoffs. So let's go to this playoff situations if it ended the day here on Wendell's World of Sports. The podcast with yours truly, Wendell Wallace. If the season ended today, which it doesn't, but just for semantics. In the NFC, the Washington Commanders, my Washington Commanders, would be at the Minnesota Vikings. The New York Giants would be at the San Francisco 49ers. The Dallas Cowboys would be at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The wild card round by would be the Philadelphia Eagles. Teams that have already clinched the postseason berths again have been the Cowboys, the 49ers, and the Minnesota Vikings. Situation for teams moving forward in the NFC. If you take a look, the Philadelphia Eagles 12-3. Their remaining games are at home against the New Orleans Saints and the New York Giants. So let's talk about this loss to the or loss to the uh, Dallas Cowboys on what was it, Saturday night? 40-34? What, what should the narrative be? Philadelphia Eagle fans, let me ask you. Or NFL fans, let me ask you. Let me throw this out. Talk to your homeboy and ho- or your homegirl about this. What should we take away from this game for the Philadelphia Eagles losing to the Dallas Cowboys? Now, you could sit there and say, hey, you know what? No big deal. They didn't have Jalen Hurts, blah, blah, blah. Let me tell you something, man. The, the, the reason why the Philadelphia Eagles lost was because of two things, turnovers and defense. That, that's the reason why they lost. So you, I, I really don't think that you can play into the, yeah, once they get Jalen Hurts, everything will be fine because the Philadelphia Eagles put up 34 points, put up 27 points on offense. So Gardner Minshew, for the most part, played a pretty doggone good game. Now we had a couple of interceptions, a couple of good plays by the Cowboys secondary, but he didn't, uh, he didn't uh, embarrass himself. He did a much better job in relief for Jalen Hurts than Cooper Rush did when he played for the Cowboys against the Eagles in week six. So if this is a situation for the Philadelphia Eagles moving forward, what do you take of this game? What can you take of this game? Where can you move forward with this game? What are the ramifications of this game, this 40-34 loss? Because they lost, they're playing the New Orleans Saints. Do you somehow, some way, try to rush Jalen Hurts back to what playing? Now, I'm not his doctor. I don't know anything about his shoulder. I don't know how to treat a shoulder. I don't know. But most of the time, when someone has an injury which causes them to miss a game as important as Jalen Hurts did in that game against the uh, Dallas Cowboys on Saturday, 
that probably means to me that if they could, that either Jalen Hurts would miss the rest of the regular season to get ready for the playoffs, or he would just get some uh, spot duty or some very uh, quick time in maybe the last season of the game just so he wouldn't be so rusty. Remember, if Jalen Hurts doesn't play until the first round of the playoffs. We're speaking about a guy who hasn't played football, or played football in a competitive football game in over 35 days, or we're speaking about five weeks. And you expect him to go in there in the playoff and not have any rust? So I think there's a situation also just just mentally, just let him get back out there and take a couple of hits just to see what it feels like, just to test his shoulder a little bit so he won't be trepidatious when he gets back to play for the playoffs. I think that's something where the Philadelphia Eagles are going to have to think about. And how much of that game against Dallas is going to go into the thinking of maybe we need to get Jalen Hurts back sooner or later. Sooner rather than later. We will see. But that defense... Um, for Philadelphia, that was uh, that was interesting to see because yeah, I know that they were playing Justin Fields and the horrendous offensive line of the Chicago Bears the week before, but uh, the defense has not played that poorly in a while for uh, Philadelphia. So it'll be interesting to see what happened. Now, when you turn the ball over as much as the Eagles did and give the Cowboys that many chances to score, then yes. The narrative of the Cowboys scoring 40 points equating to the Eagles defense is horrendously bad defensive uh, Detroit Lions type bad. That might be a little bit of an overreaction again due to the amount of times that Dallas was put in advantageous positions to score because of the miscues by the Philadelphia Eagles. But, you know, when when you're speaking about four turnovers in the final five minutes of the game is a problem that uh, can be worked out, that can be corrected. And again, Gurney Minshew, don't blame him. He threw for 355 yards on 24 or 40 passes with two touchdowns and two interceptions. And uh, yeah, the defense giving up 419 total yards and ran for 115 yards on 31 carries, something that maybe uh, we should be taking a look at. Oh, I'm sorry, the, the, the offense for the Eagles had 419 total yards, 11 uh 115 yards rushing on 31 carries. The defense, though, they allowed Dallas to go 9 for 16 on 3rd and 4th downs. Do you remember giving up that uh, Darius Slade Jr. giving up that uh, bomb on 3rd and 30? (laughs) Not good. I will call that fluky. But they gave up 442 yards to a backup QB and gave up 23 points in the second half. So something that they need to work on. But as far as it being a, a tall tale sign, Um, I don't know. There's still a lot of football left, so we will see. We will see. We will see. Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. What is the latest on Jalen Hurts? Uh, Leaked sources told ESPN's Adam Schefter that Hurts' status for Week 17 against the Saints was uncertain. He recovered from what doctors are calling a sternal sternal some sc joint sprain in the throwing shoulder i'm sorry i'm not uh, i'm not a gynecologist the eagles wanted to see how this weekend played out in the in the nfc playoff race and how hurt's shoulder responds to rest and treatment before determining whether he can play wondering also with the injury to right tackle lane johnson one of the best offensive uh, linemen in the game and the injury to his abdominal, which is going to cause him to miss the rest of the regular season. Does that play into uh, Jalen Hurts coming back before he's ready? So 
take a look for the Eagles moving forward. I, I expect that uh, Gardner Minshew will get the start for the Eagles against the Saints, and even without Hurts and even without Minshew, I think that the Eagles should have enough to uh, beat the Saints, a team that's led by Andy Dalton and a defense, while good at the Saints, doesn't have the firepower on offense to overcome the inefficiencies of the uh, Saints on offense. So I expect the Eagles to uh, win that game, clinch the division, and then we'll see what happens in the last week of the season against the New York Giants. Wendell's World in Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. So we talked about the team that lost the Philadelphia Eagles night game on Saturday night. What about, what does this mean, win mean for the Dallas Cowboys? The best you can say, that was probably one of the best games that the Cowboys have won in a few years. They came down from 10-point deficits twice to win the game. Dak Prescott looked like a franchise quarterback. Dak Prescott looked like a guy that said, you know what, I can be that guy that can get us to the promised land. I am going to get there with you, but I'm not worried about that tonight. I'm not fearing any man. My eyes have seen the coming of the glory of winning that Super Bowl championship. He looked fantastic. Dak Prescott looked absolutely fantastic. Best game, many people are saying, since his uh, first game of the season last year against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. A game that I was watching in a hotel room up in Mesquite as I was peering outside to see if those folks would have gotten out of the jacuzzi so I could enjoy myself as far as relaxing. But instead I said, fuck it, let me go ahead and watch the game because these motherfuckers look like they ain't going to be moving anytime soon. So I remember that game that Tampa Bay won in overtime. The praise and the affection and the ooh-ah-ah was all based on Tom Brady and what he did in that game. But Dak Prescott matched him blow for blow, step for step. Prescott was something else on Saturday. It really was. Completed 27 of 35 passes, 347 yards, three touchdowns, an interception that he threw at the beginning of the game, returned for a touchdown. He said, screw that, fuck that. I'm ready to rock. I'm ready to roll. I'm ready to rumble. And um, he was fantastic. Ran six times for 47 yards. The Cowboys clinched the playoff spot with the win. And the New York Giants losing to Minnesota. So, the running game was well. Defense still shaky especially when you take a look at what the Eagles did with a backup quarterback. But what does this... Cowboy fans, come over here, gather around. Let me ask you something. Question of the day from me to you guys. Let me ask you something. Where do you go with this win? How confident are you with this win? Are you bumping your gums? Are you Michael Irving in it? In terms of the Cowboys this, the Cowboys that. There was a lot of good things that we saw in this game. You have to be happy without question about what you saw from that game. The offense looked great. Dak Prescott looked great. Dak Prescott looked like he could give that type of performance or near that type of performance again. C.D. Lamb was fantastic. The offense was, was, was played extremely well. And if Dak is going to play like that, you have a chance to win this division. You have a chance to win the whole doggone thing. How about them Cowboys? But I have to reiterate before y'all go out there and start dancing in the street like Martha and the Vandellas and dancing on the ceiling like Lionel Richie doing the James Brown and the Funky Chicken and the Kid and Play too. before y'all start celebrating too much. I got to ask you, man, what's going on with that defense? I thought that defense at the beginning of the year was the best in the league. When you had Cooper Rush and the limitations that they had on the offense and you had Dallas doing what you were doing on defense, 
with possibly the best player or the most talented defensive player in the league and Michael Parson doing his thing. I thought that that was a defense that maybe not playing at that type of level but could play near that type of level consistently. And if you got that type of production from the Dallas Cowboys defense, from what they were when Cooper Rush was the quarterback the first part of the season, if you could get somewhere close to that, Yeah, we're speaking about the Dallas Cowboys having a strong, strong, strong possibility of winning the Super Bowl. But over the last couple of games, come on now, you talk about giving up a 27-10 lead against Jacksonville, you're speaking about the um, Eagles scoring 34 points on you. I'm a little bit, just a little bit, just a little bit concerned about that defense moving forward and it gives Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator and and the defense for Dallas for something to chew on, something to think on, something to continue to play for in terms of as the season winds down, something to take a look at. You guys can't coast. Even though you guys have clinched the playoff berth, you guys can't coast. You guys might be able to rest some players that are nicked up on defense, but this is still a situation where you have to be laser focused and you have to be laser sharp because that type of performance can't happen. Now, I don't think that performance can happen with the San Francisco 49ers because I don't think Brock Purdy could do what Gardner Minshew did. But you take a look at the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, I know you beat them 40-3 to at home and embarrassed them, but that was in the regular season. We see the cardiac kids, Minnesota Vikings, the way they're playing. Kirk Cousins, the way they're playing. The wide receivers that they have. they got an offense that can put some points on the board. And if Dallas is not careful, the Minnesota Vikings, even though they put three points on the board the last time that they played, the Cowboys could put some serious numbers on the board for Dallas to not be able to contend with and win that football game. You know, we're speaking about, I'm not worried. I'm not worried about the uh, about the um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But there are some teams out there that if you let if Dallas slips just a little bit on offense, could prove dangerous in terms of what the Cowboys are trying to do. And, and remember, I spoke about this last week, man. There's a lot of Cowboy fans. Cowboy fans, talk to me. Am I right or am I wrong with this? Agree or disagree? You guys are waiting for Mike McCarthy to fail. You still don't like Mike McCarthy. You still have visions of Sean Payton dancing in your head as the head coach of this team, and you don't like Mike McCarthy. So if they lose in the second round of the playoffs after they beat the uh, Buccaneers, let's say all hell breaks loose. If you lose to the – let's just say, for instance, Carolina beats Tampa Bay, a Tampa Bay team that doesn't look like they're interested in playing football anymore. They go and win the uh, NFC South. They have a home game against the Dallas Cowboys, and that defense does some things. Sam Darnold does enough. They control the ball. The, 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 uh, they could control the time of possession with that running game. Dak has an average game, and they lose, right? That, that's the worst. That is the nightmare scenario. That's a scenario that's going to make you say, man, I don't know if I can even go on with this anymore. That is the heartbreaking, the dream is gone type scenario for the Cowboys. This is a situation where it's like, damn, man, if, if, if we can't go ahead and beat the Carolina Panthers, I don't know when we're going to ever shake this moniker of not being able to win in the playoffs, right? That's the worst case scenario. If that happens, right, Mike McCarthy's gone. He's gone. He's got to go, right? He's got to go. There, there could be an argument made. Even with the most ardent Cowboy fans who want to see Mike McCarthy gone, if the Cowboys lose to the Philadelphia Eagles at home in the NFC Championship game, hey man, you know, you got to bring the man back. You got to bring him back. But if they lose in any other scenario, 
Mike McCarthy's gone. Am I right, Cowboy fans? Even if you're a McCarthy fan, he's gone, right? You you can't bring him back, especially him going into the season on the hot seat, right? With Sean Payton still lurking about, right? So when you speak about tightening up on that defense, paying attention to that defense, um, not ignoring some of the past performances by the defense, I think it's legit. I think it's very legit that the Cowboys uh, take heed to what they're doing on that side of the ball. And for that offense, the way Prescott played, can we get that again? Can we get close to that again? When do we need to get close to that again? Is that possible for that offense to perform like it did and Prescott to perform like he did? Or are we going to have to wait another, what, another 20-something games for him to have a performance like that again? Wendell's World of Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Before I get out of here with the uh, NFC, let me talk about two teams, the Minnesota Vikings and the Green Bay Packers. Um, let's talk about the Packers first. You want me You want me to go ahead and talk about the Packers first? All right, all right, all right. Um, the Packers are back, or are they back? They went from being 4-8, and eight, as I mentioned before. Me up here talking about Jordan Love should be the starting quarterback the rest of the way through to now having a realistic chance of making the playoffs. What? One point of the season, they had lost seven of eight games. And when... Um, and when Aaron Rodgers was up there talking about, oh, you know, we still have a chance and you never know what could happen and this, that, and the other. We laughed, we scoffed, we yawned, we eye-rolled. We were like, come on, man, shut the fuck up, please. Who, who are you trying to kid? I remember saying, you know, maybe if Aaron Rodgers says that enough, maybe, maybe, possibly, that even he might believe it when he was talking that nonsense about you never know and you keep positive and uh, we keep playing and if we could do this and if we could do that, we still have a chance. We're not done yet. This, that, and the other. I was like, oh, if he said that enough, maybe he will eventually believe it. Maybe after the season's over, but maybe he'll, you know, whatever. Hey, man, it was no bullshit. I mean, he wasn't selling wolf tickets. I My guess from from afar was he somehow, someway actually believed that bullshit. I mean, how else could you talk about the fact that they won their third straight game beating... Miami on Sunday, 26-20, after being down 20-13 to 13 at half, outscored them 13 to nothing in the second half. Tua Tungavailoa was intercepted three times in the fourth quarter to complete the comeback. The Packers had a season high or had a season high four takeaways in the game, three interceptions and one fumble recovery. How legit are the Pack? They came back to win despite going only two for 14 on third down and 4.5 yards per play. Had 300 total yards of offense and only 3 yards per carry on 25 rushing attempts. How legit are the Green Bay Packers? If it wasn't for a Tungavailoa concussion, would we even be speaking about the Packers still having a realistic shot or even having a shot of being in the playoffs? Because remember, they have to win the rest of their games and get some help from other teams. So if they lose in the next couple of games, they're done. So would this even be a point of discussion if Tua hadn't gotten concussed? So mentioned before, the Packers are going to advance if they win out in home games against Minnesota and Detroit while Washington loses at least once or the Giants lose twice. Daunting task. They're going to need some help. But uh, I'm through doubting Aaron Rodgers, man. I'm through... You know, that nonsense of, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, right, woo yeah, sure, whatever. Man, so let me ask you a question, though. 
here on Wendell's World of Sports Podcast with yours truly, Wendell Wallace. Are the Packers going to make the playoffs? And what happens if they do? Before, again, we start dancing up and down the streets, now before we start doing the Charleston, before we start boogalooing for Jesus, before I just tell my mama to put down the cornbread because I want to sing, you take a look at some of the teams that they've beaten so far in this three-game winning streak. They beat Chicago on the road. Who doesn't? They beat the Rams at home on Monday Night Football. Big deal. And then the road game against Miami where they had a concussed quarterback playing for the second half of the, of the game, a game in which they trailed at halftime. The teams have combined for records for a record of 16 and 29 when you take a look at the Bears, when you take a look at the Rams, and when you take a look at the Miami Dolphins. The quarterback they've beaten have been Justin Fields, Baker Mayfield, and the concussed Tua Tungavailoa. Defense still can't stop the run. They have an above-average secondary, Jair Alexander, character. But still, this is a situation where I don't, I don't think even if they did anything, that uh, even if they didn't make the playoffs, I don't think they're really going to do anything. Now, the offense has been more balanced, not relying on wide receivers to be the most important part of the offense, right? They have improved. The wide receivers have improved. They've gained more chemistry with uh, Rodgers. But still, you're looking at uh, the running game, Aaron Jones leading the way for the Packers to be successful on offense. And when you take a look at the balance, the last three games of this winning streak that they had, with the exception for Miami, where they ran it 25 times but passed it 38 times, you take a look at the game against Chicago, where they ran the ball 32 times for 175 yards, while um, throwing it 13 times or 31 times for 182 yards. Against the Rams, they ran the ball 35 times for 138 yards, threw it only 30 times for 200 yards. So that's going to be the, I think that's going to be the game plan for the Packers moving forward. I just don't think it's going to be enough for them to win. Before I get out of here, the Minnesota Vikings, how legit is a team that's won 11 games in one-score games? How legit are they? 12-3? and three? Being conference champions, Super Bowl champions. What are we speaking about? What are we talking about? They beat the New York Giants on Saturday, 27-24, a 61-yard field goal by Greg Joseph as time expired. Cousins threw for about 300 yards, three touchdowns on Saturday, leading the game-winning drive after New York went ahead or tied it with uh, two, minutes, two minutes left to go. They overcame third and nine, third and 11 situations in the final two minutes of the game. And now we're talking about a situation where, look, they came back, won a game, kicking a 61-yard field goal after they were down 33 to nothing against the Indianapolis Colts a week before. What should we make of the Minnesota Vikings? That There's no way that this can continue. Sooner or later, they are going to lose a close game. You still don't put your trust in Kirk Cousins. It's interesting because... I spoke the week before about should Josh Allen be getting more praise? Should the Buffalo Bills be getting more praise for what they've done when people speak about Jalen Hurts and Joe Burrow being the MVP of the league and Cincinnati being the team that's going to come out of the uh, AFC, out of the AFC. And I'm sitting up there going, wait a minute, isn't Buffalo still in first place? And isn't Josh Allen basically that offense for Buffalo? For a team that's 12-3, and three, how, how are we speaking about Joe Burrow and Jalen Hurts being MVP and not mentioning Josh Allen right along with them? Well, this week I'm going to be speaking about Kirk Cousins. 
And I'm thinking to myself, okay, Kurt Cousins is 11 and 0 in games with you know one score games, this that and the other. You take a look at some of their victories, fluky, ridiculous, can't happen again, quirky, all these type of things. If you take a look at the Buffalo game, if you take a look at the Indianapolis game, if you take a look at all of these one-score games, a lot of them have just been head-scratching, we'll never see that again, fantastic. But then I go back to Kirk Cousins, and I say to myself, Kirk Cousins was the quarterback for those, for those, those victories, right? So I'm thinking to myself, what if the narrative was put on a Jalen Hurts or an Aaron Rodgers or a Josh Allen or a Joe Burrow or a Patrick Mahomes. What happens if Tom Brady had led that many comebacks and their team had the second best record in the conference, one of the best records in the uh, league? If Joe Burrow or Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes if they were the quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings, wouldn't they be getting more praise? Wouldn't people be putting more faith into the team and them? So why is it that same type of respect being given to Kirk Cousins? I mean, this season, he's fourth in the league with over 4,000 yards passing. He's tied for fourth with 27 touchdown passes. Yeah, I, I, I know that uh, in the past, he has uh, come up small in the biggest games. But, you know, I, I just thought that it was interesting that, uh, you know, more love wasn't given to what Kurt Cousins and people speaking about, well, if the Vikings lose, it'll somehow some way be Kurt Cousins coming up small. Hey man, you better check that, that uh, Vikings defense because any team that gives up 445 yards, including 333 yards through the air to Daniel Jones, uh, you've got issues. Uh, if you're going to play defense like that, don't be looking at Kurt Cousins and speaking about, Oh, Kurt Cousins falters again. If the Vikings are going to play at that level of defense, then, uh, yeah, their their time in the playoffs are going to be short. Again, we always speak about top-tier teams losing early in the playoffs. That could be this Vikings team if that defense is going to be playing that badly. Let me go ahead when I come back, take a look at the AFC playoff picture, take a look at some things really quickly. I still got the NBA I want to get into, and then very, 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 very quickly kind of go over the college football uh, semifinals games, Georgia and Ohio State and um, TCU in Michigan. So I will get to all of those things. Wendell Wallace here, Wendell's World and Sports. Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. A lot of things going on in the world of sports. Recording this on a um, Tuesday night. Man, my Tuesdays are just lousy, man. They are just lousy. I am adjusting to uh, the new job that I have. And it's, I love my job. It's great. It's awesome. Uh, the people that I work with are fantastic. They're adults. 
They're uh, wonderful. It's a good group. It's close to my house, so I'm not driving 180 miles and all that kind of nonsense. But uh, I can't lie to you. Can't lie to you. Uh, the job that I had before, when you substitute teaching, you have the opportunity to uh, go to a environment that is uncomfortable to you, that is foreign to you, and you learn and you grow and you meet people uh, different from you, and you get an opportunity to uh, speak with them, you get an opportunity to listen to them, you get an opportunity to learn from them. Uh, I'm a better person for it, most definitely. I am a better person for it, so... Yeah, these Tuesdays just kill me. I have no idea why. All the time after lunch. The first part of the day is fantastic. It just zooms right through. I go eat lunch, and then it's like everything just stops. And I don't know what I need to eat to to, uh, fix it. I've tried burgers. I've tried fruits. I've tried salads. I've tried smoothies. I've tried not eating anything. I've tried water. I've tried protein. I've tried everything. Soon as I get back, within 15 minutes, it's like, man... Just everything just slows down considerably. So I don't know. It's interesting. I love my job. But like I said, it's a little bit different because, you know, you get up to where I was, you meet some of the kids, you learn about them, uh, you get to give them some advice, you get to uh, introduce yourself to a situation to where they ain't going to run into anybody like me. They ain't ever going to meet anybody like me. Them kids up there, most of those kids, they're not going to meet anybody like me or anybody from my community, or anybody from my environment. So, you know, in a world where they were living in, where none of the stuff as far as real world diversity was introduced to them, to have someone like me kind of shove it down their throats, whether they liked it or not, which is probably the reason why I'm not working up there anymore. But that's the, re- you know, it's just, uh, it was a it was a situation where I wanted to teach them as much as the folks up there were teaching me. So, yeah, I uh, appreciate it because on uh, my podcast, I've always gotten better. Because when you learn and you adapt to an environment that is different from you, you can uh, learn from that. You can become a better person from that. And uh, it's helped me out my entire life with this job, with my podcast. So, yeah, man, things didn't end the way that I wanted it to, but uh, it ended correctly. It ended when it should. And uh, I'm feeling good about it. Feeling good about it. So, there you go. That's my lesson to them. That's my lesson to the kids and to your kids out there, man. Always when I talk about change, always when I talk about meeting other people, always when I'm talking about different environments, always when I'm talking about, man, it ain't all about the knowledge. It ain't all about knowledge coming from the books or coming from the news shows or anything like that, man. Knowledge is about meeting people that are different from you, placing yourself in an uncomfortable situation and then learning and then growing and then meeting and then respecting. That's what uh, this world needs. That's what this world needs more of, baby. Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. All right, enough of me preaching and teaching. Back to some other preaching and teaching when it comes about sports, when we're speaking about sports. The AFC. Oh, the AFC. If the uh, playoff picture, if the season ended today, We'd be taking a look at the Miami Dolphins playing the Kansas City used to be champions. We'd be taking a look at the Los Angeles Chargers at the Cincinnati Bengals. And we'd be taking a look at the Baltimore Ravens at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Wildcard teams uh, with a bye. Or the team with a bye, of course, would be the Buffalo Bills. And teams that have clinched the postseason already have been Buffalo, have been Kansas City, the Baltimore Ravens, the Los Angeles Chargers, and the Cincinnati Bengals. The division leaders, when you speak about the three division leaders, they did what they had to do. Very professional performance on Saturday and Sunday. Um, the Bills beat the Chicago Bears 35-13, to 
any concern about Josh Allen with the turnovers, kind of raised their ugly head again. He threw his first interception since Thanksgiving, finished with two on the day, his fifth multi-interception game, and he had the league-high four of his interceptions being thrown into the end zone. Something to take a look at. The Kansas City Patrick Mahomes beat the Seattle Seahawks 24-10. First time in a while that they didn't commit a turnover. In fact, it was the first time in 10 games that they didn't commit a turnover, miss any field goals or point-after attempts, and they committed very few penalties. Patrick Mahomes with a very unspectacular but yet solid 224 yards passing on 16-28 and two touchdowns. The Cincinnati Bengals held on to beat the New England Patriots 22-18 with a head was ahead 22-0 before falling asleep, almost allowing New England to uh, come back and steal a win. Burrow, in that weather, in the weather conditions that he was playing in, 52 pass attempts, completed 40 of them for 375 yards, three touchdowns, and two interceptions. The defense played well, held New England to 285 total yards on 11 drives. But man, you're speaking about in a game where the running game should have been a little bit more prevalent that you had Joe Burrow throw 52 times. Woo! Now, I know that the um, d- secondary for the Bills have been suspect, and, <clears throat> you know, Kansas City's defense has been in and out, but, uh, man, to have put that much pressure on Joe Burrow, that's a lot, man. That's a lot. But they've won seven games in a row, nine of the last ten. So just a professional performance by the uh, three top teams in the uh, AFC. So what's going on here on Wendell's World of Sports? With yours truly, Wendell Wallace. What's going on with the Miami Dolphins, the Tennessee Titans, and what about those Jacksonville Jaguars? Good googie moogie. Miami lost for the fourth straight game. Mentioned before against the Green Bay Packers. The team that they lost to so far in this four games. They lost to San Francisco. They got blown out. A couple of bad interceptions. Throw my... uh, 2-1 in the second half against the 49ers. Lost a close game to the Los Angeles Chargers. Have no shame in the performance that they put up against the Buffalo Bills, losing 32-29 to in adverse inclement weather conditions. Um, so that was uh, something where that's not really like, oh my goodness, I can't believe it. But, you know, it was a situation where losing the Green Bay, a game that they had control, but... Uh, Tunga Vailoa had uh, got concussed, and now he's back in concussion protocol. Head coach Mike McDaniel said Tungavailoa displayed and admitted to having concussion syndromes when he spoke with the team doctors Monday and was immediately placed into the protocol. He added that he's unsure on which, on uh, when uh, Tungavailoa is going to uh, play because he sustained his concussion. So, marked the second time this season that he's been placed on a protocol. So, it'll be interesting with them moving forward when you take a look at their remaining schedule against the. Um, New York Jets and the New England Patriots. The Tennessee Titans here on Wendell's World of Sports the podcast with George Truly and Wendell Wallace losing again for their fifth straight game in a row. This time to Houston, <clears throat> 19-14. Yikes. Yikes. Who thought Ryan Tannehill would be this important? Who thought that Ryan Tannehill, who was part of the losing process, but now he's gone. Now, Tennessee, you have a real problem. Because this is a situation where you need a quarterback. Because while Derrick Henry's fumbling problem is part of the problem, look, before Derrick Henry, when he ran for 100 yards or over 100 yards, that he would be fine, that he would be good. 
But now, this is a situation, this season, Derrick Henry has rushed for 100 yards eight times. Before, his team would be like 7-1, 6-2. Derrick Henry was the end-all, the be-all. Now, we're taking a look at this, and it's like the Tennessee Titans are now 4-4 four and four when Henry has run for 100 yards this season. He had two in twenty. He had ten in twenty twenty when he set a franchise record and posted the fifth highest rushing total in NFL history with over two thousand yards. And out of those ten games, eight of those were victory. He used to be the bell cow. He used to be the bellwether on whether he was going to be the guy or whether the Tennessee Titans were going to be successful. The play action pass for Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill became so much more of a better passer, a better quarterback because of the play action based off of a Derrick Henry. Now you have a situation where Ryan Tannehill is probably going to be out for the rest of the season. The defense cannot overcome the, um, the, the um, not the ineptitude because he's only a rookie, but the inexperience of Malik, what you talking about, Willis. You know, so they, they're, they're going to have to do some different strokes. You know what I'm saying? You know, so this is a situation where it's kind of like, hey man, the Titans are in trouble. The Titans are in some real, real trouble. So, moving forward with that. Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. A lot of things to get down on and discuss today in the World of Sports. If you don't mind, I'm doing this while I'm watching the highlights of Luka Dantich and the New York Knicks. I cannot flip and believe I fell asleep and missed this game that was on NBA TV in which the Nuggets, I guess, came back and won. And I'm just going to guess by how much they're talking about Luka. He must have had like 80. <laughs> oh, they missed a free throw. Oh, they were down. Oh, how about that? They were down by three. They were down by three. Luka made the first one, missed the second one on purpose, and then got the rebound off of the uh, off of the miss on purpose to uh, to tie the game. All those New York Knicks. And oh, Wendell, how you get sidetracked. Shame on you. Shame on you. Getting back to uh, Jacksonville. First place in the AFC South. Are you kidding me? Have won three straight games for the last five after dropping the New York Jets on Thursday, 19-3, which officially ended the Zach Wilson era uh, for now in in um, <clears throat> in New York. Um, hey, man, Jacksonville. Look, Trevor Lawrence. Coming through, you know, the, the Walker, the kid from Georgia, playing great defense also. I mean, hey, man, this is a situation where it's kind of like Luka had 60 points, 21 rebounds, and 10 assists. 60 points, 21 rebounds, and 10 assists. 61 points, 20, that's outrageous. My man Luka, that's outrageous. That's outrageous. Look, we're done talking about the... Oh, my goodness. Hold on. What else do I have to... Let me see what I have to talk about here. Nathaniel Hackett... Okay, all right. Nathaniel Hackett got fired. He's terrible. He's horrible. Bad fit. Russell Wilson needs to pick it up. This, that, and the other. Okay, let me go ahead. Let me go to break real quick because I got to come back. I wanted to talk about the NBA. I'm going to talk about the NBA. The Knicks allowed Luka Dantich to score 60 points, grab 21 rebounds, and 10 assists. Are you kidding me? I'm going to be talking about this. My man, Luca. Man, I was going to be speaking about Joel Embiid. I was going to be speaking about Nikola Jokic. I was going to be speaking about... Um, I was going to be speaking about Jason Tatum being the MVP. Hold up. Wait a minute. Wendell's World in Sports. Let me get back and talk about Luca. Woo! Right after this. 
last segment of the podcast, last segment of the program, Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. So I was up there, and I know that the Mavericks played the um, Knicks on NBA TV, right? And I know the second game of that doubleheader, I believe, was the Raptors or the Clippers, or I don't know. I know that the uh, Raptors and Clippers, I, I can get all the Clipper games. I can get all the Laker games out here, not without NBA TV. So I don't know if uh, Portland was on NBA TV uh, tonight or what it was. but um, So I went to go ahead and DVR the replay at 12 o'clock, 12.30 of the uh, game. I thought was going to be Dallas and New York, right? Because after all, Luka just had a triple-double for the ages. Triple-double for the ages. That was something to where, man, you would have to go back to like the 1960s when Oscar and Wilt and Elgin Baylor were putting up those type of triple-doubles. 60 points, 21 rebounds, and 10 assists. This coming off of Nikola Jokic, 41 points, 27 rebounds, and like 13 assists uh, against the uh, Charlotte Hornets. And I don't care if it, if, if it is the Charlotte Hornets, a team that doesn't play any defense whatsoever, it has no interior whatsoever. 41 points, 27 rebounds, and 13 assists for Jokic, to which I said, hey man, you know, he's making that move. I saw that game on Christmas against Phoenix, where Aaron Gordon had a dunk fest, including the uh, final dunk of the game, where uh, basically he treated, uh, oh, I don't know, was it uh, Landry Shamit of the the, um, Phoenix Suns? He treated him like Vince Carter treated Frederick Weiss in the Olympics, even though Landry Shamit wasn't seven feet tall, but he just said, screw it, I'm going to jump over you, and I'm going to yam it, and uh, that was a hell of a play. That was a hell of a game between the Nuggets and the... Uh, Phoenix Suns, but again, Nikola Jokic went off, and I said to myself, okay, all right, first part of the season, Jason Tatum, MVP, but hold on a second, he's got some real competition, he's got some serious, serious competition, and I was speaking more about Jokic, because of what he's been doing over the last couple of weeks, and the fact that now that the Denver Nuggets have the best record in the Western Conference, it's Christmas, we still have some games to play, and they're a half game uh, leading the um, New Orleans Pelicans, but Jokic was just just going nuts. And the return of Jamal Murray, as he gets more and more into shape, when I say the return of Jamal Murray, I'm talking about the return of Jamal Murray playing and looking like the, the Jamal Murray before the ACL injury. He's not all the way there yet, but he has gotten he has improved so much more than when he first came back, which makes the Denver Nuggets a real potent threat in a watered down or I don't know what you want to call a mediocre um, uh, Western Conference. Because now if you can get Michael Porter back, who missed a lot of last season because of the back injury, if you could add him as a fourth option to go along with Jokic, to go along with Murray, and to go along with Gordon, you got KCP for shooting. You got a pretty decent bench in Denver to which when the playoffs start, instead of going 10 deep, you can cut it to 8 deep and still have some pretty good players contributing. Hey, man, you know, Jokic is uh, doing a thing. If he can continue to play like he's playing, hey, man, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, again, Jason Tatum has been outstanding. And don't let that dunk over Giannis on Christmas Day where Boston kind of uh, solidified itself as of right now as the best team in the NBA with that performance against Milwaukee at home. Um, that dunk over Giannis, that uh, carries a lot of weight when you're speaking about MVP. That goes into 
the highlight reel for those who are voting for MVP. Jason Tatum, the best team in the uh, NBA right now. The improvement of Jalen Brown helping Tatum do a thing with Brown and Tatum being the best duo in the NBA. But man, if, if, if Luka's going to go nuts like this, and I know that you know the, the, the argument is going to be that, yeah, Dallas is still a team that's going to be in the playoff hunt. Is this going to be a Russell Westbrook situation for a team that was 45 and 37? You still had to give it to Westbrook because of the fact that he averaged a triple-double for the entire season that year, which was the first time that happened since Oscar Robertson did that in the early 60s. So despite the fact that the Oklahoma City Thunder did not have a glorious record. It was the whole scenario of the record when Russell Westbrook did have a triple-double compared to when he didn't have a uh, triple-double. The Oklahoma City Thunder's record when he did, when he didn't, was drastically different. It was the situation where Westbrook, a guy from uh, L.A., playing at UCLA, a quote-unquote big city guy, deciding to stay in Oklahoma City after Kevin Durant took his talents, talents to the Bay Area and left um, Russell Westbrook high and dry as he went to arguably the team with, with one of the best, uh, which was one of the best teams of all time during that time. That narrative played into Russell Westbrook winning the MVP. So with Luka, where, look, man, I mean, it's Luka, Tim Hardaway Jr., Dorian Finney-Smith has been injured. Jalen, um, they lost Jalen Brunson. He left to go to uh, New York. I mean, now they're trying to, uh, imp- you know, implement Christian Wood into the offense. But because of that, he might uh, add something on offense. But defensive-wise, this, that, and the other, Maxi Kleba is going to be out for the rest of the season because of injury. So their depth has taken a hit. So this is going to be a situation where the usage rate for Luka, like that thing's going to be off the charts but so, I mean, 60, po- 60 points, 21 rebounds, and 10 assists. And if you see Luca play, you can understand the points and assists because it's just a matter of they give the ball to Luca, put him in pick and roll, and let him do a thing. Get the ball to Luca, put him in high pick and roll. Either he brings the ball up. Sometimes he doesn't bring the ball up. He'll situate himself in the mid post or in the post area, and he'll work from there. But for the most part, you know, everything as far as offense is concerned, is run through Luka. And while he's come in tremendous shape and he's only 23 years old and his game is not predicated on athleticism, so unlike John Morant, who is like, you know, four or five times a game crashing and burning, falling to the ground as he tried to yoke on 15 people and take horrendous bumps to the floor, I mean, after a while, that's got to uh, add up. And I'm believing that it's contributed to Morant missing games over the last couple of years because of the physical style that he plays, the bumps that he takes a la Allen Iverson, a la Dwayne Wade, a la that, 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 that leads to, uh, you know, that leads to injury. You can only get hit so many times. You know, if, if football players can only take so many hits and they're bigger and stronger with pads on, well, then you take a look at John Morant, him flying through the air and then crashing, crashing down hard two or three times a game over 50, 60, 70 games, ultimately that's going to take a toll on you. For Luka, that doesn't happen because Luka is not, I mean, he's yammed on a couple of people, but Luka is not is not relying on athleticism. He's not looking to float through the air with the greatest of ease. He's not taking nasty bumps. He's not taking nasty spills. Nowhere near that Morant and the others are doing. So, 
in terms of wear and tear on his body, the fact that he is 23 years old, the fact that, you know, he stays away from high contact, high punishment type of plays on a regular basis. I'm not saying that he needs to put up these type of numbers on a semi-consistent basis, but for the usage rate that Luca has to perform at and then compete at, for over, I guess, Luca, I guess at 23, he's probably going to play somewhere between 72 to 75 games, depending upon the uh, playoff position for the Mavericks. If I'm if I'm Luca, I'm going in and say, hey, look, coach, I'm taking tomorrow off as far as practice is concerned, and I don't know who we're playing, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm... I'm good. I'm not playing. I don't care who we're playing next. I don't care where we're going to be playing next. Um, I'm taking the day off. I put on a show against LeBron on Christmas Day, and then I put up these numbers uh, two days later. Yeah, I I need a break. I need a break. So, um, yeah, Luco is something else, man. And uh, one of these days, I'm going to talk about we still might be the racist, divided, ignorant states of America. Um, we, We still might be the best in basketball. But boy, oh boy, you can't, when you talk about the best players in the game, along with Jason Tatum, you have to go to Africa. I speak about Joel Embiid, who had 48 points tonight in a bevy of rebounds that they lost to my Washington Wizards. You have to speak about Giannis, the two-time MVP. You have to speak about Luka, who, I've said this before, by the time that kid is 25, 26, and he's no longer a kid, he's a man, that guy's going to be owning the league. That guy's going to be owning the league. And I don't care. I remember when Atlanta made their run to the uh, Eastern Conference Final a couple of years ago when Trey Young was doing some stuff and he had that series against the New York Knicks where he was taunting and being a heel uh, to the New York crowd. And they were like, hey, you know what? Uh, you know, look at Luka. Luka's not in the playoffs. Or Luka's already lost in the playoffs. And Trey Young has led his team to the uh, Eastern Conference Finals. So, you know, I think that trade that Travis Slug made, uh, made for or, or the decision that he made for drafting um, Trey Young instead of Luka, I think it paid off. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. Because for even that trade to come close to being fair, Trey Young would have to turn into one of the greatest small players who's ever played the game. For that trade to even be talked about in terms of each team got a fair deal 10, 15 years from now, Trey Young would have to go down as one of the greatest guards in NBA history. That ain't happening. Luka is going to go down before everything is all said and done. Shit, you're gonna be talking about a guy who uh, we can't predict envy. Uh, we can't predict um, championships because we don't know what type of team that Dallas is gonna build around him. So we don't know. It could be anywhere between zero and five. We don't know. But uh, just as far as just owning the game, just as far as ruling the game, just as far as impacting the game, it's Luca, man. For the first time, maybe ever in NBA history, a guy that's gonna be the face of the league. Is going to be a guy from another country. And in a sport like basketball, more than football, more than baseball, where everything has just been predicated on the greatness of the American-born player, or maybe football also, because very few international uh, folks have come over and played uh, football. But when you speak about, you know, baseball's America's sport and this, that, and the other, hey, man, for the longest of times, the 
when we speak about the best players in the game, the best players uh, during their time, they have always been American. Whether we're speaking about Bill Russell, we're speaking about Will Chamberlain, we're speaking about Dave Cowens, we're speaking about Willis Reed, we're speaking about Larry Bird, we're speaking about Magic Johnson, we're speaking about Isaiah Thomas, we're speaking about Michael Jordan, we're speaking about Kobe Bryant, we're speaking about Shaquille O'Neal, we're speaking about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, we're speaking about LeBron James, we're speaking about all of those guys. What have they had in common? American, 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 and American. Now, you take a look at what's going on. Who are the best players in the game? Nikola Jokic, European player. Uh, Luka Doncic, European player. Giannis Adenokupo, European player. Joel Embiid, African player. Now, you have a guy that's coming up in Victor Wimbignana, who what? Plays for France, who's supposed to be a generational talent. So, if Wimbignana... Um, lives up to the hype, then you're going to be looking at a situation where, hey man, for the next, for the next 15 years, the best players in the NBA are not going to be from this country. Now, you still have John Morant, you still have Zion, you still have uh, uh, Jason Tatum, you still have Jalen Brown, you, you, you still have this country, as far as the amount of players from one country, we, we still run the show. But when we're just speaking about, like, impactful great players, hey, man, no longer is it going to be the Steph Currys, as far as the, the, the cream of the crop, if I could use that cliche, the best of the best. No, no longer is it going to be the Stephen Currys or the LeBron James or the Kobe Bryant's of the world. Man, we're going to have players from Serbia. We're going to have players from Slovenia. We're going to have players from the continent of Africa. We're going to have players from uh, France. We're going to have players. um, When is the explosion of Brazilian? When when are we going to have um, an Australian player other than Josh Giddy come in and really make some noise? Hey, man, whatever's going on in these other countries to produce these really great basketball players, I know that Argentina had Manu Ginobili. I know that uh, Spain had some really good players led by Paul Gasol. But, hey, man, this this Luca, man. Man, they threw me off in terms of what, what I wanted to talk about, man. I wanted to talk about the uh, uh, Christmas Day games, talk about what does it mean, talk about Boston with that victory over Milwaukee being the best team in the NBA, speak about Denver, their victory over... Um, uh, Phoenix, what's going, what's going on with the Phoenix Suns? Devin Booker, another young player who's uh, really good, who could be a multiple-time All-Star for the next 8, 10, 12 years. He's out again because he, um, he uh, had a groin injury, so he uh, missed the uh, second half or he missed the game or missed a significant amount of time against the um, Nuggets on Christmas Day. Um, the whole news about James Harden now is like, I'd be open to go back to Houston. Bye. See you later. Have a good one. Take it easy. You know, it's a situation where I'm kind of tired of the whole James uh, Harden deal in terms of he wants to go here and he wants to go there and here and there and everywhere. And I really don't care. So yeah, man, that's a lot of good stuff, man. Luca, you the man, you the man. And we speak about Sam Bowie. We speak about the Portland Trailblazers, and oh yeah, could you imagine that nonsense, Sam Bowie being drafted before Michael Jordan? Well, Hakeem Olajuwon went down as one of the greatest centers of all time, and you can make the argument that Houston should have drafted Michael Jordan ahead of uh, Hakeem Olajuwon, despite the fact that Hakeem had two NBA championships and went and was one of the greatest players of all time. You take a look at this draft, 
You take a look at the draft that Luca was in, and you figure that the Phoenix Suns went with DeAndre Ayton, the Sacramento Kings went with Marvin Bagley, and I guess, what was it, the Atlanta Hawks went with Trey Young or some nonsense, or they made a trade to move up to draft Trey Young. I mean, this when you take a look at Marvin Bagley, who's a rotation player right now for the Detroit Pistons, trying to figure out, is he with the Pistons? Bagley's with the Pistons, isn't he? I know he's with some bad team. He got tired of Sacramento. I think they shipped him. He's not with Indiana. I think it's with the... He's with Detroit. Yeah, he's with Detroit. So uh, when when you take a look at that, when you take a look at that, I mean, it's a situation where Vlade Divac has to go right up there with Joe Dumars, who decided that he wanted to draft... uh, Darko Milicic instead of uh, Dwayne Wade or Carmelo Anthony at a time when the Detroit Pistons were coming off an NBA championship and Joe Dumars before the draft saw Darko Milicic uh, go five on nothing or go one on nothing you know shooting drills and dribbling drills and all that kind of stuff against air and he became so enamored that he was like hey you know what I'm going to draft this guy over over um Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh and Carmelo Anthony. Oops. My bad. That was the decline. That was the fall of the GM um, status for Joe Dumars after he made that decision. Well, Vlade Divac talking about one of the reasons why he didn't draft Luka Doncic was because his father reminded him of Lamar Ball, uh, Alonzo Ball's father. So that was the reason why. I don't give a damn. That motherfucker could have been a complete nutter maniac. I'm drafting Luka Doncic and then just deal with it and then just live with it because I have myself a generational great player who's going to go down as one of the all-time great players in NBA history and the man is from Europe. My man Luka Doncic getting it done. Um, Real quick before I get out of here. Um, the semifinals between Georgia and Ohio State, Michigan and uh, TCU. I can't muster enough feeling for this. I will say this. No, no, you know what? I'm going to save it for my next podcast. I can't muster it up. I'm still I'm still tingling from the performance that uh, Luca put, and I missed it because I decided to take a nap instead of watching the game. I am an idiot. Mark it down. Well, then, thank you so much for listening to my podcast. Um... As I mentioned before, at the beginning of the second segment of the program about, uh, you know, how an environment and how people changed me for the better in terms of my thoughts and my feelings, learning about different communities, learning about different environments, uh, made me a better person. And not all of them were wise, sage, old people to teach me how to do that. Uh, for people my generation, you can learn from the younger generation just as much as we can teach the younger generation about what's happening in life. Man, we should uh, we should go ahead and, uh, you know, mention before, man, learn, learn, learn from others, man. Go into a difficult environment. Go into an uncomfortable environment. Be yourself and just see what happens, man. Just see what happens. And uh, learn about folks who you ne- never think about learning from. Or you have a preconceived notion of who they are. Talk to them. Get to know them. Listen to them with respect. And then um, from there, you know, form your own thoughts and opinions about who they are as human beings. And, and, and don't listen 
to the news stations and don't listen to uh, anyone else. You go out there and uh, figure it out for your own. That's the best way to do it. All right, Wendell Wallace, Wendell's World in Sports. It's been fun. It's been awesome. It's been great. Stay the way you are. Sweet, kind, and beautiful to the uh, ladies out there. So I get out of here and hit me with some music. Music.